Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. Glad you're all here today. We are going to be embarking upon four weeks of what I like to think of as spiritual confidence. So let me explain for a minute what I mean about the idea of spiritual confidence. When I look out in the world right now, the facts aren't as bad as what we like to think they are. Uh, The unemployment rate is at a 15-year low. The stock markets are doing great. And yet... And yet what I observe is that many of us, most of us, are upset with what things are going on in the world. And and there's a good deal of fear even being generated around uh, what's going to happen in different places of the world where there's so much unrest, our own uh, ability to manage uh, uh, trouble among the races here in America, some of the other things going on really troubling us. And I would like to suggest that at least part of it is what I think of as spiritual confidence. We don't think that God is either interested, capable, or uh, available to take care of some of these issues. That's part of it. And we also don't think that God is personally interested in us as individuals. So this month we're going to be talking about this idea of real spiritual confidence, the confidence that God can take care of any issues on the planet, and God is willing and interested in helping us both in that collective way and personally. And so I think to start, though, we really need to talk about what God is. If we're going to have confidence in this thing, what exactly is God? And you know, here in the science of mind, we, we differ a little bit from most of the world's religions. And so I want to talk a little bit about the difference between an imminent God and a transcendent God. Now, what most of us are familiar with um, from our upbringings and from observing the world's religions out there is the idea of a transcendent God. So let me explain a little bit about what that is. It's the idea that God created the heavens and the earth and then literally transcended it so that the creation is separate from the creator. And you might think of it as, well, God, you know, did this thing, this creation of the heavens and the earth, and then kind of just, you know, backed away from it a bit. We'll kind of peer in now and then and see what's going on. And typically with the idea of the transcendent God, too, is the idea that God is perhaps judging a little bit, kind of looking down to see if we're taking good care of the creation or not, right? And so all of those, um, you know, interesting pictures of a man on a gold throne on a cloud, and why is it always a man, and why is it, and why do we always think of it as being up there somewhere, right? The streets paved with gold, you know, a lot of stories and myths about this creator that basically stepped away from the creation. Now let me talk about the idea of an imminent God, which is what we do believe in the science of mind. In the science of mind, we believe that, yes, God created the heavens and the earth. And in fact, uh, we go with science on that one. It was called the Big Bang, right? God created the heavens and the earth. Bang! <laughs> <laughs> but, but where our divergence is, 
is he didn't just, I say he, it, right? Because it's, God's not a guy. So it, and, and I know that for some of you that's depersonalizing, that there's a little friction when I start calling God it. So, so bear with me, I do that on purpose because I don't really like the idea that uh, our Father who art in heaven, that Father, I mean, a lot of us didn't have the picture-perfect dads in the planet, right? And, and I, think, I think we could just get over calling it it and be okay with that for now. And well, I'll talk a, a little bit more uh, in a minute about the idea of personalizing this it, because I don't want to make it seem impersonal and unreachable, but let's at least not do the he thing. So in the idea of an imminent God, God created the heavens and earth and kept right on creating. It's never stopped. God is present fully in the affairs of the planet right now, just like in the affairs of the galaxy at the time of the Big Bang. So there's no separation. There's no time when God backed up and said, okay, I wound it up. Now let's see how it plays out. No, God is here with the playing out of it every day and every minute of every day. All right, it's time for yeah, you get two jokes today. Um, now, the good news is, I guess you get two jokes. The bad news is they're both kind of Sunday school jokes. So, uh, so you'll have to bear with me. So uh, little Johnny is busily working on a picture. The Sunday school teacher had given the whole class the idea of draw a picture of something really fabulous. And so she's walking around the, the, the room, uh, taking a look at all of the different pictures. And when she comes to Johnny, oh my gosh, it's very busy. And she leans down and says, Johnny, what are you drawing? And he said, well, it's God. Well, because it's Science of Mind Sunday School, of course, right? Uh, the teacher wants to explain a little bit about God. So she said, oh, well, Johnny, you, you know, God's kind of hard to get down on paper and crayon. God is like the majesty of the mountains, and God is the, the panorama of the night sky, and God is the entire universe laid out, and the, the yearning of humans for love and joy and peace and, and gratitude, and, and God is everything from the largest thing you can imagine to even things you can only see through a microscope because God is everything. Well, Johnny actually isn't paying that much attention <laughs> to the teacher because he's on a mission. And finally, the teacher ends up summing it up, says, so don't, you know, don't worry if you can't get it all in. And Johnny looked up at her and said, well, there may be some doubt in your mind as to what God is, but here it is. <laughs> Right? So I'd like to suggest that they're both right. I would like to suggest that they're both right. That God is not only that infinity of all things, but God is also something so personal that you, through your own experience, could just write it down with paper and crayon. God is not only the infinity God is the personality. God is something that can be warm and that you connect with and that you should have no hesitation in writing about, picturing in your mind, right? Because our job isn't to think of all of God. Our job is just to have spiritual confidence around what we know to be true about God. We're never going to know all about God. 
But when we have spiritual confidence about what we do know about God, then there's a freedom, there's an intimacy, then there's that ability to know and believe that God is absolutely, and in a personal way, on our sides, helping us to do what we want to achieve in the world. Being able to take care of some of the world's troubles, in fact, because we have that level of knowledge and confidence about what we do understand, anyway. So, uh, time for another joke. <laughs> I know, it's another Sunday school joke. Well, this doesn't happen to be our Sunday school, our youth church, because at this one, they actually serve a meal kind of in the middle. And so uh, they go into the little lunchroom, and uh, there's, oh gosh, a, a lot of different snacks, but the person in charge decided she was worried there was only enough cookies if every child just took one cookie. So she put a sign above the cookies, just take one, God's watching. <laughs> Maybe not a science of mind uh, uh, experience. So anyway, little Johnny comes in and immediately begins filling his backpack with apples. Well, one of the other kids says, what are you doing? We're supposed to share. There aren't enough to go around. Why are you taking all the apples? And Johnny looks over. He's watching the cookies. The sign could not be more clear. He's watching the cookies. Now, now this is the other thing that I got in such trouble. I, I went to a Catholic kindergarten, and I got in such trouble because when the nuns explained that God was watching me no matter where I was and no matter what I was doing and I needed to be good, I said, how? Like, are there cameras? Are, you know, this is, I'm a little spooked out by this idea of someone watching me anywhere, but really, no matter where I am and know what I'm doing, how does this God thing work exactly? And of course, those aren't the sort of questions you want to ask, uh, probably in kindergarten, if it's a Catholic kindergarten. Uh, but what I have learned since then is, well, of course it makes sense when you believe in an imminent God the way we do in the science of mind. Because the eyes of the universe are the eyes of the universe, right? You don't need to worry about how God can see and know what's going on because God is everywhere and seeing everything through God's eye, through our eyes. We are part of God. We are God's sensory apparatus. So, so we don't have to worry about how God can be everywhere at once because God is everything. We don't have to worry about how God can be uh, all wise because all the wisdom that has ever existed is by definition part of God. God's consciousness is made up of all of the consciousnesses of all of the, the beings on all of the planets in all of the galaxies. Everything is God. And so we don't have to think of it as some disembodied form that somehow has to check. Do you see what I mean? This is fundamentally different. And in fact, this is so fundamentally different that it tends to actually piss some people off. And I, I want to talk about that a little bit because we are so used to thinking in terms of God as a separate being from us that we don't realize when we're hard on ourselves. We're being hard on God. 
we don't realize that when we cheat someone else, we're cheating God. And you can't cheat God. Do you get it? It isn't like we need a set of Ten Commandments to, to figure out how to be good people. Because when we're a good person, it means we're being good to God. This is huge. When I'm, when I'm angry, I'm being angry. It's God being angry to God. Why, why would I do that? Do you see? It, it's like a fundamental shift here. And something worth thinking about. Let me, uh, let me do a reading from The Art of Life. We're using Ernest Holmes, uh, one of his uh, early books called The Art of Life this month. And let me, uh, let me read to you what he says about it. He says, there is a universal wholeness seeking expression through everything. We're calling it simply life. The religionist calls it God. The philosopher calls it reality. Life is infinite energy coupled with limitless creative imagination. It is the invisible essence and substance of everything. Its nature is goodness, truth, wisdom, and beauty, as well as energy and imagination. Our highest satisfaction comes from a sense of conscious union with this invisible life. The science of mind is merely one of the tools we use in giving expression to this life principle. Our greatest satisfaction lies not in the fact that we can use this principle, but in the realization that such a power exists and we are one with it. So this idea, he mentioned universal wholeness, and I want to talk about this for a minute. I think we uh, intuitively realize it's true, and then we refuse to apply it to ourselves. <laughs> so so see if you track with me through this, all right? So we look out in the night sky, and it is so beautiful. We look at the Milky Way, and it just seems like enduring perfection. We, we, we go for a walk in the forest and we see just the beauty, the exquisite beauty of nature and, and, and the mountains. And there's never a thought of, well, if only that mountain was moved over just a few feet, it would be so much better, right? It's like, no, it's like intuitively we get that there are the right number of stars at night. We don't need to add in four more, right? It's like the Big Dipper doesn't need to be a little bit to the left. It's like, oh my gosh, we so recognize in the big picture of God a complete wholeness, a complete perfection of being. And then we refuse to see it in our own selves. We refuse to imagine that because God created everything and everything is perfect, that that means there's also a perfection in me, at least spiritually. That, that at least in my heart of hearts, there is that enduring thing. I've heard it said that God simply doesn't make junk. And that's what I'm asking you to believe, because the same creator that made the universe and all of that beauty that we're so, uh, uh, so aware of and so drawn to, we are that beauty as well. We are that love as well. We are that intelligence as well. It's how God made us. And I would like us to begin thinking that we have that same level of perfection as the forest, as the night sky, 
as the yearning ocean, as the, as the very ideals of love and peace and joy that exist, that we, we recognize them when we see them out there. Now it's time to internalize it. Now it is time to recognize that same level of beauty and perfection in ourselves. Not too long ago, uh, a goddess in science of mind in the New Thought Movement, Louise Hay, passed away. And, and I remember some of her enduring affirmations and her enduring beliefs around what causes disease. Disease is caused by our own disbelief in our perfection. When we stop believing that we are whole, when we start believing that there is such a thing as disease, that's what sets the stage for us experiencing them. It is our disbelief in the perfection of God presenting itself as us that actually leads to disease. All right, let me summarize briefly where we are right now. So what is God? God is life itself. God hasn't gone away after the event of creation. God is right here showing up every day as everything, and that includes us. God made in that perfect perfection, that universal wholeness that Ernest Holmes talked about, that also includes us. We look around, we are God looking at God. When we look out in the world, we're still God looking at God. Another gift from God, our free will, says we can make all of our own decisions. Some of them, you will notice, have been extraordinarily bad. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that God is absent. It doesn't mean that somehow there's God and something else. And that's where I want to uh, spend another moment. Because there is something to give up. If we are to totally claim the entire power and perfection of the universe, there's something we have to give up. And that is our belief in evil. It is our belief in a power outside of God. It's a belief, if you will, in the devil. And whether you believe in the devil literally or just figuratively, it is our belief in something that is not God that is causing all of the problem here. Now, I certainly was raised as, uh, at the time, what, what I w was thinking was a good Christian. And what that meant was that I believed in some kind of a strange tug of war. It, it, it's like on the one side, God was pulling me forward into light and joyous experience. And that if I, if I behaved myself, if I followed the Ten Commandments, if I observed human decency and, uh, and other rules set up, that, that God would kind of welcoming me in and that side of myself would get stronger. And there was also tugging on me some force of darkness, some force of evil, if you will, and if I broke some of the commandments, if I followed those unwholesome urges, uh, we'll talk about unwholesome urges more because it's sort of fun. But if I, if, if, <laughs> but if I follow those unwholesome urges, right, then the power of 
evil would be strengthened in the universe. And so, so to me, this idea, in fact, it was one of the reasons I didn't go to church for years and years and years, because I thought to myself, if we believe that God created the heavens and earth, why would God create just a holy mess like that? What is this idea of being tugged back and forth? Well, of course... That's the transcendent idea of God. If God creates and removes itself, the world's wide open, right? There could be other gods. There could be other forces. When we truly believe, as we do in the science of mind, that God is present everywhere, then it's true for the things that also don't look so wholesome. Now, next week, we're going to talk very pointedly about where our lives come from, where our personal lives have gotten to be the way they are, all of the good and all of the negative. And we're going to talk about that a whole lot next week. But for right now, I'm going to ask you to be willing to say that God is all that there is. And it also includes some of the things that don't look so good. That's back to that free will we're going to talk a whole lot more about it next week. But our power, our spiritual power, our, our spiritual conviction and confidence has to be based on the idea that God is powerful and that there's only one power and that we can participate in the using of it. Otherwise, why bother to pray? It's just chance, right? Otherwise, why bother to celebrate God? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but there also wouldn't be anything special in it. Just one God of perhaps many or, or one God to compare to one devil or something like that. What we do here on Sunday, believe it or not, is fundamentally based on this picture of God. And I hope through uh, the rest of this month, we're really going to get a, a taste of this level of unity, this level of knowing and understanding that God is on our side, that God is here for us. Now, there may be some of you out there who are reacting in a similar way to the neighbors of the Santa Rosa church that we have. So, so down in Santa Rosa, our Science of Mind church is just across the road um, from another church. And that other church has one of those, uh, you know, the letters you can put out. Well, after a talk, not unlike this one, appearing on the neighbor's church was, we are not God. Now, can you guess why they did that, right? Think, think this one through for a minute. So if what I'm saying is that each one of us is an individualized center of God, in a sense, we are God. We're a very small, very, I mean, consider the entire universe. It's a very, very, very small part of God. But we are God. We're made out of God's stuff. We, we are imbued with the, the process of creativity and discernment, just, just as God is. We have a, a consciousness that is not unlike God's. I mean, God, again, isn't a, a guy in the sky, isn't any Santa Claus, but still the idea of consciousness is there, and we're a part of God's consciousness. I already talked about God using our eyes and ears as part of its sensory apparatus. So in a small way, we are God. We are of God, certainly. God moving through us, acting as us. 
do you see why the church in Santa Rosa had some folks across the street that were a little concerned about this idea? But there's such a difference. Knowing that you are of God, knowing that God is working through you and with you, what a blessing. Not the responsibilities of the full Godhood, right? Just a blessed part of the divine. It allows us to treat ourselves with greater dignity because we are part of the divine. It allows us to move forward with spiritual confidence because God didn't make junk. This is beauty and power. Now, it may not win a contest <laughs> individually, right? <laughs> but here is beauty. Here is power. Here is love. Here is joy. In my small way, I am absolutely giving evidence that is divine, as do you. And so sometimes people want to know, okay, so what's the homework this week? I'm not necessarily giving you homework that you do, but I'd like to give you some homework that you could be. This week I would like, as best you can, to use God's sensory apparatus, to use your own eyes, your own ears, um, your own mouth, your own sense of touch and taste, to recognize how divine you are. To really sense that that big picture God, the same God that created the heavens and the earth, also had a hand in creating you. That you are made of the same materials as the stars. That there is a power and a presence in you that can be used. That you are truly the director of your own life. You have that ability. So that's your homework this week. It's a sense of beginning to rely on yourself as a point of spiritual strength. To begin relying on yourself with a sense of yes, yes, I can, I will, I am. Not some fluke, not something uh, uh, that wasn't purposefully created. We are here on purpose. I'm going to close with uh, another quote from uh, The Art of Life here. This is how Ernest Holmes closes out this first section. He says, God is life, and not some life, but all of life. God is action, not just some action, but all action, all of our action. God is power, but not some power, all power. And God is presence, not the presence of some, but the presence of all. God is pure spirit, filling all space. This pure spirit animates your every act. There is a real you which lives inside a real God, and the two are the same. To know this, to know this, is the secret of life itself. Let us pray. There is one power. One presence, one life, one goodness. There is just this one thing. It's not a guy in the sky. It is that allness of every entity, of everything, every person, every place, every situation. This is God. And I know, of course, it means me, that there is that, that me that is part of God. And as it is true for me, it is true for everyone, for everything. All of us, part of that divine nature of spirit itself. 
created in God's image with the ability to be whole and joyous always. This is the promise of unity with spirit. And so for this week and this month, as we study more of science of mind, as we study more of this universal wholeness and perfection given to us, I simply internalize it. I simply allow myself to see my unique and important place in the universe, part of divine spirit. And so I give great thanks for this. I give great thanks for this teaching of Ernest Holmes. Give great thanks for God showing up every day in the faces of the people in this very room. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.